September is probably the very worst month of the year for me. Perhaps the busiest month of the year for me. You see, at Calvin College, everyone wants to kick off the year with worship. Let's begin convocation with worship. Let's welcome new students and freshmen with worship. Let's dedicate this new building with worship. Let's commission our student leaders with worship. Let's open our faculty and staff conference with, with worship. And all this is on top of two weeks of training of all of my student worship leaders. It's auditioning all new musicians. And then let alone all the regular responsibilities that I have for lost and chapels. Oftentimes in September, I look like a deer caught in headlights. I see another worship service coming. I think I should get out of the way. <laughs> Every September, I feel like I'm just in this constant mad movement of all these different events, and I'm, and I'm always forgetting things, oftentimes important things. In the last two years, I forgot my dad's birthday. So it's happened both Septembers, around late September, actually uh, early October, when things have calmed down a little bit, I've gotten into a regular rhythm that this voice comes from outside my body and says, you forgot your dad's birthday. And all of a sudden I realize I need to call him, and so I call him the first chance I get, and I say, oh, dad, I'm so sorry I forgot your birthday, I've been so busy, blah, 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 and he's very gracious to me, and he says, well, yeah, I know, you're really busy, and your mom and I, we went out to dinner, and it was a nice day, and but I can tell, I can tell, he's, he's hurt. Oh, I forgot his birthday, I forgot his special day. And, and as much as I, I say that I love him or that I care about him or I'm grateful for him, my actions speak louder than my words. In September, I said to my dad, my work is more important than you. It hurts when, when, when people forget you. No, it hurts when you have an important appointment at the Bruni Counseling Center and you've told your best friend, but then your best friend forgets to ask you how it went. Or it hurts when you've told your parents about this graduate school interview that you have coming up and, and you're terribly nervous about it. And you go through the interview, but your, your parents don't call you to follow up. Or it hurts when your friends go out on a Friday or Saturday night and forget to call you. You think, why couldn't you just go down the hallway and knock, knock, knock? Hey, you want to go out with us? It hurts when people forget you. Well, imagine what it was like for Joseph to be forgotten. Here is Joseph, who for possibly many years has been in this prison. And this is a dungeon in the house of the captain of the guard. And there Joseph is in, in the dark and the, the dank feeling. And there he, he makes friends with the rats and his hair is matted up against his head. And his own smell is just suffocating. And if we were to see Joseph in that moment, we would forget all about his, his handsome features and how, how good-looking he was. 
So here's Joseph in this prison, and, and yes, he's given responsibility in the prison, but he's given responsibility over prisoners. It's not exactly an enviable job. And at the same time, he's in this prison, which is most likely a political prison. This is a place where Pharaoh or other officers or people in high positions send people who have offended them or officers who have slighted them in some way or have done something against the state. And so these are people in this prison who are people of high position. These are people with power and authority, with pride. And so when Joseph comes to serve them and to wait on them, he's no more than vermin to them. They likely spat on him when he brought their food or kicked dirt in his face. Joseph's very humanity is forgotten while he was there in that prison. But one day, these two new prisoners come onto the scene, a cupbearer and, and a baker. And we're not told very much about this cupbearer and this baker or why they offended the pharaoh. I don't know, the, the cupbearer spilled the wine or the baker burnt the bread. It's just not clear to us. But this cupbearer and this baker are here in this prison, and they're put in the care of, of Joseph. One day, Joseph is waiting on them, and he notices that, that their faces are, are sad. And Joseph decides he's going to take a little risk here. He's going to take a step. And ask a question. Why are your faces downcast? When each of them, instead of responding with abuse or telling him to get away, they actually answer him. And they say, well, each of us have, have had a dream. And, and there is no one to interpret it. Well, in this moment, big pause. Big pause in the story. Right? Dream. Who's Joseph? Joseph is the guy who has dreams, right? Dream, and then who are these people? Important people. Oh, opportunity, opportunity, knock, 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 knock. Maybe I can get out of this situation. So what does Joseph do? Well, don't the interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, right? He wants to hear this. And so the cupbearer tells him his dream. And Joseph quickly sees that there is a favorable interpretation here, and so he tells him the interpretation. But then after giving him this favorable interpretation, well, then Joseph takes an even bigger risk, takes a bigger step. He says, will you do me a favor? Remember me. Do me this kindness when you go to see Pharaoh. Get me out of this place. You see, when I was with my people, I was, I was a prince among them. And I was stolen out of that land. I was sold into slavery. And I, I shouldn't be in the slavery. In fact, I shouldn't be in this prison, you see, because I was falsely accused by my, by my master's wife. And, and I shouldn't be in this place. So please get me out of this place. Remember me. Don't forget. Do me this kindness. And these words that Joseph uses are significant. Joseph says, remember and do me this kindness. In the Hebrew, the word for remember is zakar. And the word for, for kindness is the word hesed. Now, this word zakar is a word that is used 
earlier in this story of Jacob and his family and Joseph, and it's actually used in reference to God and his mother, Rachel. Turn in your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 30, page 23, Genesis 30, 23. In verse 1, we read here about Rachel and her relationship with her sister, Leah. They're both married to Jacob. Leah has had many children, but Rachel has not been able to conceive. And so in verse 1, Rachel, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. And Jacob became very angry with Rachel and said, am I in the place of God? who is withheld from you the fruit of the womb. And then look over just over to the other column on verse 22. Verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. And God heeded her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph. So Joseph is remembering the story about his mother and how his own birth is a result of God remembering his mother. And so he is saying to this, this cupbearer, be like, like God to me. Remember me. But then there's this word kindness, this word hesed, which connotes all of God's covenantal faithfulness, his steadfast love, God's binding of himself to his people, his goodness. It's this word that, that captures a lot of meaning. And it's a word that comes earlier. If you actually turn over a couple page, pages to uh, page 26, chapter 32. Jacob is coming back to his land with all of his family. He had been away for 14 years, and now he is coming back and he is anticipating meeting Esau. And he's afraid that Esau is going to kill him because Jacob stole his birthright. And so Jacob is praying to God. And in verse 9, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, and I will do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the hesed, of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. So Joseph remembers that God showed Hesed, loving kindness to his father. And he recalls that his mother was shown love by God and being remembered. And so when we read these words, what it signals for us is that Joseph sees in this moment that this cupbearer is a representative of God. This is his opportunity. This is God showing up in the prison, and Joseph is saying to him, be God to me. Remember me like God has remembered my family. Show kindness to me like God has shown kindness to my family. And so you'd expect that the cupbearer, after having this great interpretation, and after he is brought back to the service of the Pharaoh, would say to the Pharaoh, hey, there's this guy, Joseph. You should really get to know him. But no, the cupbearer does not remember Joseph. He forgets him. And in that moment, it's, it's as though God 
There are some times when it feels like God forgets us. I think this feeling is, is most acute when the church or a community of faith forgets us. The church showed up wonderfully for your, your dad's funeral and surrounded your family with love. And care. But a year, three years, five years later, that group, that grief is still very raw and real to you. But but no one asks you about it anymore. It's as if it never happened. They forget you. And it, and it feels like, like God is forgotten. Or you've talked to a pastor or to a counselor, and you've you've opened up your heart to them, and you've shared some of the, the deepest hurts and wounds in your life. And then three, four, six months later, you pass by that pastor or counselor, and, and she forgets your name. And you feel like, like God has forgotten you. All your friends were with you when you were, when you were diagnosed with ADD or, or depression. And they were praying for you when you started your medication, but after a while, it seemed like things were going well for you. But as you know, it's not always going well for you. But it seems like they don't talk with you about it anymore. And even those who committed to pray for you don't follow up with you. And it feels like, like God has forgotten you. Or all the conversations among your friends are about all of the the couples that are getting engaged. And you haven't had a date in years. Maybe you've never had a date. And it feels like God has is, is forgotten all about you. Or, or you're a student who is, is not on academic probation, but you're also not on the dean's list either. And you're in this group of students that it seems like no one cares much about. There's not much support. No one asks you how you're doing in your class. And you feel like you're going through Calvin and you're, you're trying to keep your head above water, but no one is throwing you a lifeline. And you feel like this community has forgotten all about you. And it seems like God has forgotten about you too. I imagine that the, the original readers of this passage felt like God had forgotten all about Joseph. But the narrator of this story gives us some clues. Actually gives us some clues to the contrary. First, remember that chapter 40 comes after chapter 39. Remember chapter 39, where Moses, or sorry, Moses, where Joseph is sold into slavery and then is thrown into prison after being accused for attempting to rape his master's wife. But all along, as these things are spiraling more and more into despair, the narrator keeps telling us, but the Lord was with Joseph. 
The Lord prospered Joseph everything, in everything that he did. The Lord was with Joseph. In fact, look in your Bibles to chapter 39, page 32. And in verse 20 of chapter 39, it says there that Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he remained there in prison. So Joseph is in prison. And then it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him heaven. Showed him steadfast love. While Joseph is in prison, God was with him and was showing him steadfast love. Showing him that hesed. God is remembering Joseph in his plight. Second, Joseph, we see in this passage, is, is in the right place with all the right people. Look again in, in verse 20 of chapter 39. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. Curious. Why would Joseph's master throw him into a prison where all of the king's prisoners were confined? He could have threw him in any prison, in all of Egypt. But rather he puts him in a position where important people show up. Now following this, look in... Verse 1 of chapter 40. The narrator wants to show us that Joseph is in this important place, but he's also with important people. And he keeps piling this on. So sometime after this, the cupbearer, so a normal position it seems like, but wait a minute, cupbearer of the king of Egypt, okay, important person, and his baker, Seems like an ordinary person. Offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Okay, so these are important people. Cupbearer. These are people who serve the king. All right, but wait, wait. Verse 2. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers. So this, just isn't, this isn't just a waiter and a guy in the back in the kitchen. Right? These are two officers. Right? And oh, wait, wait. The chief cupbearer and the chief baker. Right? So these are the head people, the two officers. Okay? And then he put them... In the custody, in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. Okay, important people who are with Joseph. They're in the same space. Now going on, uh, verse 4, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. So now Joseph is waiting on them. He's just not in the same place with them. He's actually having regular contact with them. And it's not just a once or twice kind of thing. It says they continued for some time in custody. So lots of opportunity with these two important people in this very important place that Joseph is in. All right? I just want to keep piling this on a little bit here. Okay, so one night, they both dreamed. Now we realize, oh, you know, big moment, dream, dream, Joseph's the dreamer. All right? But who dreamed? The narrator has to tell us, right? Like we don't already know, right? The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison. Like, we know they're in the prison, right? But the narrator wants to tell us that these important people are in this important place. Uh, and then going on, okay, they were confined to each other. Okay, verse 6. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked, he didn't just say he asked them, but it says he asked 
Pharaoh's officers. Like, hello, important people. Like, the narrative is just like again and again and again. And, um, and then it's not only Pharaoh's officers, look, who were with him in custody in his master's house. It's like, we know. Why does the narrator keep telling us? And you guys are like, Paul, we get it. Well, it's the same thing that the narrator's doing. It's like again and again and again. Look, do you get this? That God is orchestrating this? That God is at work here? That this isn't just coincidence that Joseph is in this place and that these important people are in this place? God is with Joseph and God is remembering Joseph in this situation. God is at work here. Alas, third, Joseph in this story, or I'm sorry, this story does not end here. Wait, we read at the end of chapter 40 that the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. But that's not the end of the story. In chapter 41, in verse 9, the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my faults today. I was in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. There was a young Hebrew there with us. He, we had these dreams. He interpreted them for us. All of a sudden, we see that this cupbearer was a representative of God. That this cupbearer was there for the purpose of showing that God would remember Joseph in his situation and would bring Joseph up. So here in this moment, Joseph is in prison. And he feels like God has forgotten all about him. And he may have been there for years after the cupbearer went back to his position. But then one day, step, 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 step down to the dungeon. Knock, knock, knock. Joseph, Joseph, come up out of here. The Pharaoh wants to see you. And we see that God has remembered Joseph and has always remembered Joseph. This story reminds me a lot of another story. It actually happens several generations later. The Israelites had multiplied and were fruitful in the land of, of Egypt. And one day there was a king who arose in the land who forgot all about Joseph and everything that he had done on behalf of Egypt. And so he enslaved all the Israelites and gave them the hard toil. And these people cried out to God year after year after year. And while they were in the muck and the mud and their hands were bleeding with hard service, they cried out to God and it seemed like God had forgotten all about them. But we read in chapter 2 of Exodus, verse 23, after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out, out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. And so God sent Moses to go down to Egypt, and he knocked on the door, and he said, Let my people go. Bring them up out of slavery. Bring them out 
of their dungeon that they have been experiencing all these years and bring them into freedom. God remembered his people. It still just reminds me of another story. Sometime much, much later, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was nailed to a cross. And there he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And to the, all the people who were there, to all of his disciples who fled and scattered all over Jerusalem, it seemed like God had forgotten all about them. And there was darkness. But three days later, Jesus knocks on the door of hell and says, let my people go. Free them from their prison, their chains of death. Let them go from their slavery to sin. When Jesus rose from the dead, he broke the bonds of sin and death. And when Jesus rose from the, from the grave, we have God's definitive answer. That God does not forget his people. But God, the God who will forever, forever remember them. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we give you thanks that your memory is not short-term, but it's long-term. It's, it's forever long-term. We thank you that you never forget us and that you are always with us. God, there are those here today who feel that you have forgotten them. God, we grieve we mourn that we do not see more of your presence. And so we ask that you would, that you would show yourself. Reveal yourself in their circumstances. Reveal your love to them in Jesus' name. And may you help us all to know in all of our days that you are a God who remembers. And you will never forget us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a passage in Isaiah. And the people that Isaiah is speaking to are people in exile. They're away from the presence of God in Jerusalem and they feel like God has forgotten all about them. And Isaiah writes, But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Then God responds. I love the image that he uses here. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. 
You know when you're trying to remember something and you write on a marker on your hand? God does that, except it's a permanent marker. It never leaves. God will always remember his people. 